welcome to the summer series. I am so excited to present this collection of interviews that I've done over the past few months. And these are with some really amazing, inspiring women that have gone through several obstacles, whether it's on their own personal health issues, uh, similar to like what I have or uh, what I have done, or maybe they've even experienced it through a loved one or circumstances with their, you know, employment, um, all the things that have happened through COVID, which have changed a lot of our thinking of, you know, how we want to live our lives on a daily basis, what we want to focus on, um, you know, what inspires us, what lights us up, what do we want to do more of? And I hope that you'll really, really enjoy this series. I loved putting it together. Um, if you have questions or want to reach out personally to any of the women that I've interviewed, please do so. We've included their information in the links and enjoy. So this interview took place back in May, and I really wanted to include Valerie Birch in this inspirational series because I really think she embodies this ability to adapt to not only what works best for her and her life, but what is needed and, and responses that she got from people that sort of steered her in the direction she currently is. So, so Valerie is a teacher um, by trade, you know, was in corporate wellness. She's now really well known as a, a pediatric sleep consultant. And I found this interview to just be so, so interesting and helpful, especially if you're a parent that is struggling with a, a child that maybe has some sleep issues we talked a lot about in this episode how just within two weeks of her working with uh, families, there can be a, a dramatic switch in a child that is, you know, become rested, calm and content, you, you know, versus being overtired. We also had a great uh, deeper dive into like the conscious mind versus the subconscious mind and how all of this programming not only applies to children, but also adults but that um, a lot of these beliefs are formed during childhood. And so as adults, this can also be something that we can, we can work on to undo if necessary at times. And we were talking about the um, keys of the mind and she kind of, she'll go deeper into this, but it's in the show notes. If you'd like to learn more of um, the psyche uh, being the psyche facilitator and working with a psyche facilitator facilitator like Valerie is. And I hope that you'll really enjoy this episode. We'd love to hear from you. And without further ado, we'll jump right in. Hi, and welcome to the Functionally Fit Podcast. I'm Jen Rice. And we have a wonderful guest today that I am just sure we're going to get so much value from. Valerie Birch, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very um, much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk with you because when we were meeting before you know, we started the recording, we were talking about how you've really just been 
helping people for, you know, ever since you've, you know, in any career you've had, you've been a teacher, corporate fitness, doing wellness programming. You're now doing pediatric sleep coaching and motherhood coaching. And so really you've just been helping people you know, for, for a number of years and tell us a little bit about, um, how you came about doing the kind of work you're doing, how you trans transition from say, like the corporate fitness work to, was there, um, something in particular that moved you towards, um, the pediatric area and helping people there? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it's really interesting, Jen. I think a lot of people, Will probably resonate that we are who we are at our core and it's just interesting that yeah a lot of my jobs while different have an underlining same tone that there's a lot of joy in for me in, in sharing and helping others um and I, I think that's with a lot of people in the world so yeah it's it's been a lovely journey and the corporate fitness world you know i was a college athlete i have was played athletics all my life the idea of wellness and the body was always something very interesting to me. And that's where my bachelor's took me. And of course, into my first career. And I think like a lot of people, you get into the first place and you're like, okay, well, I love some parts of this. This isn't quite what is lighting me up. And so I took that, um, with, you know, with some great ease and then transitioned, um, actually into teaching at that time. And, doing that for a short while, um, with some travels and having children, uh, again, life continued to throw you curveballs, And so it's, it's how you deal with them is really the thing. Instead of being all distraught, I thought, you know what, I, we were living in Chicago after our first was born and, uh, I wasn't really ready to go back to teaching and my daughter wasn't sleeping great, but with my exercise physiology background and my knowledge of the health and wellness, I thought, well, this is, this is not good, not good for her or for me. And oh, yeah. really out of my own, uh, knowledge that it should be better and not really sure of what or how that to happen. You know, that's how my journey became as a sleep coach is I of course did a little research on my own and helped her at the time. Um, but then learned of this whole new is very new at the time of a sleep consulting or sleep coaching. And it, that was like the first thing that lit me up, um, that I thought, yes, this feels so aligned. And so I then became certified in that in 2013, so nine years ago, um, and have been coaching families, uh, and using it with my own three children, of course. And the beauty of that in helping with sleep is number one, you know, we're all, all of us are born knowing how to sleep. And so a lot of what we're teaching is, or what I'm sharing with families is the science behind sleep and just easy things you can tweak in your days to help uh, realign for good sleep. Um, and it's just, a, it's such a, a rewarding thing to say, yes, now this child is sleeping better, but also how that affects the parents. Because when your child's not sleeping well, the parent's not sleeping well, and that changes your whole, your whole life. Yeah. Are there... Um... Yeah, this is, I can imagine how disruptive it would be for a family to have one that's not sleeping well, right? Um, sometimes it's uh, the parents, but, you know, as adults, you can kind of, I guess, they cover it a little bit better. But for kids, what kind of, um, I mean, do you see, like, obviously there's disruption in 
grades or how, how does it how does a parent sometimes even know there's a sleep problem? I mean, do, do, do they always come into the parents room or can it sometimes be more subtle? Yeah, absolutely. I think yes and for everything. Um, of course, it can start as early as is months old, four or five months old. And there's a big matura brain maturation that happens around four months. And a lot of people think, oh, this is your sleep regression. But really, it's this beautiful progression of the brain. And we as adults don't always know what then is supposed to be happening with sleep. And so at that point, you might have more and more wakings at night. And that's mm -hmm. actually an indication that there's poor sleep going on. So for some four months and beyond, children should be sleeping around 11, 12 hours at night, maybe with one feeding or so. Um, but if they're, so it's subtly as a young baby, we often think, oh, they're just supposed to be waking because they're hungry. And actually that's not, that's a myth. Um, so it can be subtly when they're young, it can be a, you know, a toddler, if they're coming into your room, if you don't choose to want to do that, um, naps under an hour are a huge indication that a child is not getting enough sleep. Um, the list goes on. And of course, then you move into school age. And I, mm -hmm. I think that for attention spans, um, you know, there's just a magnitude of research saying the lack of sleep that will link to obesity and health problems, to attention, to grades, um, to poor emotional re regulation. Um, and we often think, oh, my child's going to outgrow this, but really they never will. It, it just will be masked. And so I, I always say to families, if you're kind of curious, watch their awake behaviors. A child who is really well rested is really pretty calm and content. Um, there, of course, are children and they're testing boundaries and learning. Right. But it, it an uh, extreme high and low roller coaster all the time is probably that they might be overtired as well. So oh, wow. it never hurts to look into the idea of is this sleep related and are they getting enough sleep in a twenty four hour period, which is your indication of. of you know, if they're well-rested or maybe have a bit of a sleep debt. And um, I'm sure when they visit like the pediatrician, uh, at least here in the, the United States, that might be a 10 minute appointment. Maybe it's 20. I don't know. It depends on the luxury of the practice, but generally <laughs> speaking, it can be rather short. And if mm -hmm. there's a sleep problem, I mean, do they, are they really maybe able to address it or they maybe make a few mm -hmm. suggestions and then, I mean, the help for parents yeah. might be a little limited, right? Yeah, and I, I love that question. So it is, it's limited. Um, I think the, the two main things that I find are, are maybe lacking. And of course I, I'm not, you know, everyone has their opinion, but a lot of pediatricians don't actually get a lot of sleep education for children in their education. So majority of um, pediatricians, in my opinion, don't have the knowledge of understanding of the, the, the circadian rhythms and the flows and timings of bedtimes and these simple manipulations in a healthy way that can just help improve a sleep. So a lot of times a pediatrician will say, you know, here's a drug, which I don't agree with, or they'll say, oh, just cry it out. And a lot of parents, there's a lot of emotional you know, concern about that, which is fair. And so the lack of understanding of just a healthy foundation of sleep is, is big. And again, hard to cover that in a 10 to 20 minute appointment. Yes, right. It, 
And I think the biggest thing is the follow-up. So, you know, with any change, it's not, I fix this and it's better tomorrow. And when I coach with families, we're in contact for seven to 10 days as they're implementing those changes. So that way they have the support, but also an outside view to say, hey, actually that nap was a little bit too late. Let's move, they're overtired. Their overtiredness has higher cortisol. That cortisol is actually while they're not sleeping well. So let's adjust the nap, you know, 20 minutes earlier, see what happens there. So that back-to-back everyday play is such a part of their success. Yeah, and truthfully, in defense of, um, you know, I, I think the best of both worlds certainly is somewhere between what we currently have as medical care and what, what it could be potentially in the future that's more wellness care. But, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times in, in practice, I'm sure the the doctors are, and PAs, nurses, um, you know, nurse practitioners are dealing with um, sometimes very sick kids with very acute problems that must be yeah. solved immediately. And there is a triaging system on energy, because I know this from doing dermatology for so many years. Um, there is a bandwidth that um, you kind of operate in, and certain things you really need to be like, on top of and make sure that, not to say that sleep is not important because I don't think that anyone would say that, but I think it's sort of like, it's gonna be very hard for the practitioner to give you what you need with this problem when there's just a lot of other need from the rest of many pediatricians. um, I believe their patient panels are normally like 5,000 patients roughly. I I know this because I I worked with a functional um, medicine pediatrician who had a concierge practice. I worked with him for a summer and he had a concierge practice because he was buying his practice small. So essentially people were paying like a premium so that they, he would have less patients. So his patient load was more like, you know, 300, let's say, instead of 3000 or 4,000 or however many Um, that would be for, um, and I just think that they're, they're, it, it comes down to almost like a triage, if you will. And so mm-hmm. I can see where something like this that you're, that you're like honed in on would be so helpful for parents because otherwise you feel like you're left with Dr. Google and um, maybe medications that you don't necessarily want to use. And yeah. honestly, I don't really know how um, everyday practitioners would give the time for this, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And that's an extremely valid point. And I think, you know, there is, it's a, for me, it's a non-judgmental and a non-bashing, you know, I really believe everyone is on their own path to finding what they feel is right for them. And, and that's the beauty of our, of our country. Right. And, um, but yeah, it is hard when it is, like you said, I'm, the triage, the caseload numbers. Um, we all, we all have the bandwidth of whatever it is in our lives. So, yeah. And I think that for those who are maybe looking for help with sleep, they're the ones that may reach out or find other ways. And if you don't, there's no shame in that either. You know, you also have your own bandwidth of your life of what you're trying to, to deal with. So can you give us an example of, um, like a, maybe a, uh, family that you worked with and a problem that was going on and do you do all ages or is it just like a certain age group that you tend to niche to or yeah all ages so okay. birth 
birth to, I would say not all, all birth to about, um, about nine years of age, um, which is a vast variety of, of things there. So, um, I can share, you know, um, recently we were, I was working with like a five, five or six month old who was, um, napping only 30 minutes twice a day. So really challenging to get them to sleep and to stay asleep. And they were waking up around six to seven times at night. Mm. So there was very little consolidated sleep. Um, and so what we did is we first have a consultation over zoom or, or, um, phone. And we, I share with them, why is your child sleeping poorly? I would like to give the education to share like the timing of sleep is important and we're trying to avoid the overtired states and what does independent sleep look like? And we set up this foundation that is looking at the environment that looks at the timings of sleep. And we look at the routines prior to sleep. And then, um, so it, it's a back and forth with the parents and making those changes. And then we also talk about like what methods in the sense of how are we going to bridge that that gap of improving sleep and attending to our child. And that looks different for every family. Um, but the idea is, you know, I always say families, we can't force our child to sleep. So doing sleep for them is, is likely not working, which is why you've reached out to me. So it's that balance of teaching them and letting it go and trusting their bodies because their bodies do know how to sleep. And with that consultation, and then after um, seven days of support, that child is now sleeping 12 solid hours at night. Uh, the first two naps a day are around 90 minutes, and the last nap of the day is a cat nap, which is biologically appropriate. So within a week, um, two weeks most for most people, it's a 180 switch if they are committed to uh, sticking to the plan and you know working through that support. What, um, what kind of things do you see as, um, are, are there like, is there like a common thread of, I'm not saying doing something wrong, but is there something that you see a lot of parents that there's like a common thing that is often overlooked that people don't pay much attention to, you know, that yeah. starts this? Yeah. And, and this is for every single age. And I have children ages three, six, and nine. So I've also been through the gamut. So this is up to even that elementary age is that we don't maybe always realize that the bedtime is the most, the timing of bedtime is the most important aspect of how well rested your child is. Hmm. That we often, there's a, a big myth that's like the later they go to bed, the later they'll sleep. And that is absolutely biologically incorrect. Logically, it makes sense for us as adults, but that's not how sleep works for a child, that the earlier they go to bed, um, they avoid that overtired state. And when overtired, that's what creates really bad sleep. So bedtime battles or waking up lots of times in the night. Um, we go to bed early, we avoid that overtired sleep. And the most sleep before midnight is the most important sleep all humans, even adults, receive in a 24-hour period. And so Bedtimes that are too late are the number one killer of good sleep. And some people think, oh, seven is too late. And it's like, uh, or seven is early enough. And sometimes it's not, you know, it, depending on the age of your child, depending on how well they're napping, it could be as early as six, five thirty wow. sometimes. Okay. So again, based on circadian rhythms and, um, and of course it's unique, the exact timing to every family, yes. but, um, 
I think even when you enter elementary age and beyond, we think let's include all these activities in the after school and evening hours. Oh my goodness. Yes. And that to me is, is far, uh, very much hindering their good sleep. That to me, it's more of the minimalism. Let's, you know, let's not stress our child out, but give them the rest sleep. So, you know, we're home by 630 uh, from all activities so we can be in bed at an appropriate time. Oh, I love that because I think this is something adults fall into a lot too. And um, not turning off the exercise early enough in the evening, but like even for us as, um, you know, my husband and I have decided that we go to bed, we try to be in bed at a specific hour, usually like nine, like, and sometimes that seems early, but if you kind of set that, it's almost like setting a bedtime alarm mm-hmm. and trying to stay on it because it does give you better sleep. And mm-hmm. um, I think that adults, we, for many years too, I would push that late night thing in the late mm-hmm. and a lot of exercise closer to, you know, bedtime. And then you're just wondering why you know, you're not getting any sleep. And when I think mm-hmm. about kids now too, lot, so many, I mean, I know with the last two years at the time of this recording, you know, we're about two years into global pandemic, although it's kind of, um, you know, kids are getting back to certain sports and things and of course school, but there was a time when I can remember um, even growing up where people would be out doing sports till seven, eight at night. Mm-hmm. Um, when would you get, you'd have to come home and eat, right? And then you get to bed and then maybe it's like 1030 and then you're going to get up for school at six or, yeah, you know, it's not a lot of sleep. No, it's not. And, and uh, no, it's, it is hard. And I think, you know, also getting home late, it's not like you're ready to jump in bed. There's an, a wind down period and yes. if there's homework to be done and now you're pushing the candle way too late and you are missing out on biologically what your body needs the most, which is that really good sleep, especially before midnight. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that you can go looking deep into why do we, you know, why do we do these activities in sports so late? Um, I think there's, that's a magnitude of, of, of a conversation as well. Mm-hmm. And I think every family has to look at it for themselves and say, what do we really value here the most? Like, what are we benefiting in the long term of my child's life by engaging in all these extracurricular activities so late in the evening? Is this yeah. really benefiting their health and longevity of their being or not? Yeah. And could that be worked into Saturday or yeah. you know, a Sunday afternoon or, uh, you know, and I, I think there's an adult could take a little bit from that too. Like, yeah. do I have to do that workout? at 8 PM, or would I be better served to actually focus on my sleep? And then a lot, some other midday type of thing, a lunch break or or a morning. I, I, I know these, um, I'm sure you do too. And maybe you are this person that gets up before work and Mm -hmm. does the gym or, and I'm always like, Oh, how do they get up at five o'clock to get their workout in? Because (laughs) the whole day I'm like, Oh, that seems like a lot. But, um, I realize it's part of a prioritizing of the day. It is. I think it, it is. And it's also looking at as being a, 
I got my first gym membership at 14 years of age. Like I love feeling strong and fit. Right. And I was the later worker outer. Well, then mm-hmm. I had children and, and I was like, who has energy at eight o'clock? Right. You know, are you ready? So I transitioned a little bit to the morning and, and really now I feel I'm at the healthiest place in my life because there's a balance of, of the peer calm and inner love and peace. It's like, I don't have to crush my body seven days a week. I no. might work out three days a week mm-hmm. mindfully. Or I might take a 10 minute walk in the morning and a 10 minute walk at night. And that to me is my workout. It's, it's about the movement of the body. So I would say it's even, you know, it's again, a complex thought process of yes, can you be look at it elsewhere? And if it's driving and there's a deeper like guilt by not doing it, it's also healthy to look at that. Yeah. I've been definitely driven a lot of years by just, you know, guilt of not doing it or keeping up with whatever. So I think this is a great segue though, into your motherhood. Uh, and then, then the work that you've been doing there with, um, you know, inner reflection, helping people with that. Um, if you could share a little bit, um, I know we kind of talked a little before the recording about pan- the pandemic and how it affected how you were feeling about motherhood and sort of the changes that you wanted to see and help others um, with going forward. If you could share a little how that came about. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I um, before the pandemic, I had, my children were, well, my youngest was maybe just over a year. And then uh, one was four-ish and maybe seven-ish. And you know, on the outside, I, I was very a happy person. You know, people wouldn't think much. We move with flu- fluidity and ease and we all sleep well and we take care of ourselves. And yet something inside of me was still not very happy. You know, like there was something I couldn't quite figure out what it was, um, those inner voices and didn't really verbalize it to a lot of people. Right. You know, I, I believe in mental health and therapy and I had a therapist and, and we were working through it and it just kept, I kept thinking like, Oh, tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm going to, uh, tomorrow I'm really going to work on it <laughs> or I'm going to look at this, you know, and the gift of the pandemic was I had a lot of time tomorrow, <laughs> you know, yeah. when everyone was home from school. And while that was challenging, three children, two homeschooling, a one-year-old newly on the move. I mean, that was, those were very long and tough days. And I, that's where I really found time for myself to hire a coach, to look within. Um, and I think because not having to drive around and you don't have any extracurricular activities, this pause though, while challenging among many ends for millions of of, uh, humans. Yes. Also, I was like, well, I have more time in a weird way. And so that inner reflection, that journey really started, you know, just bit by bit. And I, as, as something lit me up, I went in that direction to hire a coach. And then, you know, I learned a lot about, um, you know, the emotions and how they're stored in the body and, um, learned about, uh, the nervous system and grounding your nervous system. And, and ultimately the entire journey was, well, I thought it was like, well, I want a better relationship with my daughter, or I really want to feel more present when I'm with my children. It all reflects back to you. You know, everything is everything you want is really okay. It's an inward journey. Um, and as that explored, everything I desired just naturally came into an alignment. 
And I can sit here today and say, you know, I self-care is I do every day in the sense of like, when I need, when I'm feeling stressed out around my children, I'll say, Hey, I'm, I said it this morning. I said, Hey, I'm feeling a little upset that everyone is moving slow. I'm going to go take five minutes to breathe. Please get your shoes on. Then we'll go to school. So just being very open with them to saying, we have these emotions that come, they are not bad, but they're here to guide us. And also how do we self-soothe as humans, you know, instead of pushing away. You're um, showing them how you're coping too with a challenging situation. Yeah. 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 Which it happens every day. Like, right. We're humans. Like you can feel those moments of, and I feel a lot of the peace and contentment and, and true joy and life happens, but it's not that, Oh, stay away. It's like, okay, let me honor this. Let me be honest and role model to my children that sometimes I also feel really angry. And this is how I self-soothe. Uh, and of course, teaching them too of ways that they can learn to honor their emotions and learn how to soothe themselves um, instead of, you know, lashing out to someone else or violence or whatever. And you were telling me a little bit about, um, you know, really harnessing this um, subconscious mind and this mm-hmm. psych, psych K, which mm-hmm. is... Um, something that you have learned how to incorporate with in your life and how you help people with it too. But it's basically the meshing you were saying of, you know, spirituality and biology and learning how to, you know, balance. If, if you could elaborate a little bit more on that, I might've butchered that explanation a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great. That was great. Okay. Yes. I would say psyche has been such uh, the, not the missing piece, but I suppose the missing piece. So in learning, in learning about the bio- biology of a body and our cells, you know, we're all these energetic beings and, um, and, and that's a major point. And we have these minds that, uh, we have a mind who has kind of three components, one that higher self. So what, if you believe in God or spirituality or universe, whatever you believe in that higher being, uh, that's your spirit working through you. Um, you have your conscious mind. So your thinking mind, we all spend way too much time in our thinking mind. We, oh, let me think, think, let me do, do, I got to figure this out. Um, and you have your subconscious mind and your subconscious mind is uh, actually where the programming that we live out in our day-to-day lives is from. So your subconscious mind, it runs 95% of your everyday life. And the crazy part about the subconscious mind is that it's those beliefs are formulated in our childhood years. And so here where our beliefs are formulated, and then now as an adult, where we think we have all this mind control, but really your mind's only running 5% of your everyday actions and, and desires. And so it's when looking at that subconscious mind um, and just questioning it, honestly. And so what Psyche does is, it's a very simple process to, and I'll, I'll share an example. I always have many and then I can't think of any, but um, subconscious mind, you, something that you're butting up against every day in your life. So a, it can be simple. This don't have, don't have to be super deep and they can be as well. But let's say like, oh man, I really want to drink more water. My mind knows I need to drink more water. It's healthy for my body. We have all these conscious thoughts. 
And now we're going to buy a new water bottle and we're going to make a goal chart and we're going to say affirmations. It's easy for me to drink water. Those are all beautiful things. Those are our conscious mind actions. But if our subconscious doesn't believe it's easy to drink water, you will never achieve drinking water with ease. And so it's very simple as you go in, uh, you work with a Psyche facilitator. So you can go to psyche.com and look for facilitators. Uh, I am one as well. And what you do is you would muscle test this. And what this is, is just testing the neurons of your body, of the energy of your body. And with a goal statement of like, it's easy, it's easy for me to drink water. And if that tests weak, that means your subconscious mind doesn't believe it. So of course, you know this because I can't drink water no matter right. how much I think about it, right? Yeah. And then you, you do, Psyche is, is um, the keys of the mind. And so we're looking for a whole brain state. You sit in a simple posture that your facilitator would, would help you through. Very simple. You think of what you do want to feel or do want to achieve. Um, it takes one to five minutes. Uh, and then your subconscious mind is reprogrammed to what you want to believe. And really simple and cool, kind of just have to experience it to really understand. And the beauty is when you align your subconscious mind to what you want to see in your everyday life, things flow with just ease. They just flow. This thing where, oh my God, it was so, I couldn't drink water. All of a sudden, after you, you balance it, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I just drank three, you know, free water bottles today without even thinking of it. And that's the proof that the subconscious mind is running your entire life. I love and that. Because I think if you think it's hard, it's hard. There are certain things that I, you know, nobody's perfect. And I definitely have told, oh, that's hard. I think to myself, well, then it's hard. And that gen right there is the basis of it all is that our beliefs turn into our thoughts. Our thoughts are our words. Our words are our actions and our actions is our reality. So for the basis, if your belief isn't there, your reality will be that. It, your, your reality is a reflection of what you believe. And um, I think just looking at that and anything good and challenging in your life, you could really take a moment and say, well, what do I really believe here? Uh, is that in alignment with what I want to see in my life? And if it's not, yeah. I, I love how you're bringing this to, so I, when you're talking to, you hear a lot about elite athletes using this, um, mm. like Tiger Woods comes to mind for me, uh, how he's always had some kind of um, coach that literally like what they do is like, or he has been coached too, to say, he like sees the shot before it happens, right? Like he's walking the golf course and he's like seeing each shot before it. And then it like comes to fruition and here he's done all these things. Now, I mean, obviously there's variables over time as people age or as you're, you get injured or this thing, I mean, you know, you like see yourself, but I, I do think that there's bringing this to like everyday life can make a big difference and create a, you know, whether it's the work you show up to, you know, in, a, in an actual building somewhere, it's sort of like how you're showing up to it is going to make the difference energetically to everyone that's around you there. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's been in your home. If mm -hmm. you are, maybe you're a stay at home mom or dad and you are, you know, the energy that you're bringing 
because I imagine just like anything you do, it can get old sometimes and tiresome. And, you know, yeah. I've never been a stay at home mom, but I can imagine that it's just like my job that I do. Like some days I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. You know, and I'm sure that's like that, but you want to yeah. try to show up, um, you know, in a way that, that isn't so arduous too. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, whether you stay at home or not, if you have children, they mm-hmm. are the biggest reflectors of what your inner work still is to be done. You know, mm-hmm. the things that they trigger in you or, you know, I, I used to remember um, sitting in the playroom with my, with my child at the time, doesn't matter which one. And I'd seriously play a game with myself. How long can I sit here and be fully present without my mind going somewhere else? And honestly, it was like 30 seconds. And mm-hmm. my mind was like, oh, let me organize this. And I need to make this phone call. Let me do this. Let me do this. And I hated that. I hated that monkey mind. Like, yeah. why can't I sit here and be fully present? And my child likely can feel that, that energetic, you know, they are mm-hmm. also learning. Like, I can't just be content and at B as I am right here. And I think for me now today in looking at uh, my subconscious mind, like questioning that, why can't I be present? I now it's very easy for me to clue in and just be in the moment and not be worried about the 10 next steps ahead of me, because I, who knows if they'll even come out. It's just like, I'm here right now. Well, and the distractions have never been higher. The phone. I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. There's a definite neuro stimulation going on with the phone and that's how it was designed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think knowing how to put that away to be more present um, and maybe even allotting certain time to, you know, indulge, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Kind of, but not as a general, yeah, reflex because then you are missing a lot. All of us are yeah. along the yeah. way. So um, this has been so awesome. I mean, this is so good. And I know that, um, you know, if you, so if somebody wanted to connect with you a little bit more, um, I know you said you have an Instagram that you're most active on and then a website. So what's your Instagram? Yeah. So it's at underscore Valerie Birch. So I have the pause first because I think it's always important to pause between people um so oh, underscore very cool Valerie Birch. okay yes. that's a great yeah. um that's a great way to think of it yeah and then Holding what's your website valeriebirch.com and that's okay. birch b-i-r-c-h like the tree as we oh, say. <laughs> yeah yeah and so you currently have a um which we'll put in the show notes um a link to but you're currently offering a 12-week program that you're doing with mothers and mm-hmm. it's all about this kind of transformation. It's one-to-one. So it's not a group program. It's very uniquely individualized, right? And then yep. you have your, um, if someone is like, oh my goodness, I've stumbled on this podcast and I totally need help with my child's sleep. You are very active with your sleep, um, pediatric sleep coaching as well. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, Yeah, the coaching can be, sometimes people just want to know a plan and we can do an hour phone call and away you go. Um, Some people want the support 
and that's also there. Uh, and for the motherhood coaching, you know, I, if you're looking for something more in your motherhood journey, you know, if you're like, I want to feel fulfilled, I want to feel present. I want to feel that joy. You know, that's, that's where I was. I wanted those things too. I, I didn't want to, I always felt like I was putting myself on pause until my children were older to feel certain ways. And then I thought life is not granted. We know that every day. So if you're looking for, to expand yourself, you know, the one-to-one coaching, we dive through a lot of aspects of, you know, things you discussed and, and we do those psyche balances because that's the quickest way to reprogram your subconscious mind and watch it show up in your everyday life with ease. Oh, I love that. I love that. So before we um, break off, I wanted to see if you had uh, maybe one tip or two for anyone listening who, um, you know, if, if what's your best way of like relieving stress, um, you know, I think that that would be helpful, like in a moment when you're getting that rising temperature of a heated conversation or your children are pushing you like to, um, I know you mentioned earlier about saying you're going to take five, but is that, what would be your tip for someone um, that maybe needs that pause? Yeah, for sure. That's a beautiful, that's an excellent question. I first want to share with what's going on in the moment again, biology with the body. So when you're feeling that anxious stress or, you know, the emotions rising, rising, whatever it is, um, what's going on in the body is we're not getting new blood flow to this part of the brain that makes new thoughts. So if you're ever in an anxious spiral, this is literally, you may think I need to think a new thought. You literally can't because your nervous system is frayed. It's frazzled, right? So my, my tip is, is thinking of, we need to ground the nervous system and I'll share, share that tip. So, but the reason we're grounding that nervous system is so you can get new blood flow to the part of the brain that makes new thoughts. So if you're stressed out and you're just thinking, I need a new thought, but I can't, you can't because you don't physiologically have blood to the right part of the brain. So we're grounding the nervous system. Um, there are a magnitude of ways and everyone, I always say, you know, practice a few and see what's right for you. Um, a few that really come to mind for me is I often have to leave the room because again, we're energetic beings. And if my children are what are triggering me, I need to separate so I can then come back to me. So I do leave the room. If I'm able to go outside, I find nature is, is the most grounding thing. Take off my socks and shoes put my hands in the dirt, take five minutes and just really truly ground to the earth um, or go into another room. Um, breathing is my number one go-to. Mm. So if nothing else, breathing in for seven and out for eight and doing this just for a minute can help um, again, bring that blood flow to that part of the brain. Um, and one thing with psyche is we also like to cross our hands and ankles to help realign the brain into the whole brain posture. So sometimes I do a few of them together, you know, whether that's sitting in this posture and breathing, if I go outside, um, what are going for a walk movement is a great one. Music can help. Um, there's, there's such a variety, but the idea is to say, I, what can I do to just I honor that I'm feeling this way? It's okay. You're feeling upset. There's nothing wrong with it. 
And how can I then ground my nervous system? I love that. Good ways. That yeah. is so helpful. Thank you so much for being on today. Um, yeah. I just think that, I mean, you've helped so many people with this. I know you're going to help so many people in the future. And we just appreciate you taking time to share with everybody um, the kind of work you do. Well, I appreciate being on. It, it really is a joy. And I am, am hopeful. And I just hope anytime someone can take something and move forward in their life, that's such a gift for the whole world. Because as we feel calm, those around us do, and it emulates outward. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.